0: the words we speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us our god amen as i said uh, we're in week three of the season of creation and one of the themes of those last few weeks has been the web of life during this last week the un has published a report about the web of life the global diversity outlook report number five which uh, looks at the 20 uh, biodiversity targets agreed in HE, I think that's how you say it in Japan in 2010, targets that were to stem the destruction of wildlife and life-sustaining ecosystems. It was prepared uh, not only to look at those targets, but uh, before a key UN summit on this issue later this month. The report says starkly that the world has failed to meet a single target not one. There are several that are pretty close to being met. There are two where no work has been, no progress at all has been made, and there are a couple where they can't actually measure whether progress has been made or not. So they say despite progress in some areas, natural habitats have continued to disappear. Vast numbers of species remain threatened by extinction from human activities. It's been estimated, for example, that 60% of vertebrates have disappeared in the last hundred years. And, this figure stuns me really, there's still a US $500 billion uh, of environmentally damaging government subsidies not being eliminated. Uh, And and much of that goes to the uh, fossil fuel industry. We keep telling ourselves that we need fossil fuels, that's the only way we can base our economy, and yet that economy is based on 500 billion US dollars of subsidies and as the report makes clear we are now paying the price for this loss of biodiversity. COVID-19 is a result a result of the destruction of biodiversity the web of life. There will be more viruses like COVID-19 able to jump the species barrier because of that loss of biodiversity. Last Sunday, the Radio New Zealand on their website published a piece about Sir David Attenborough's latest TV programme in which he makes a stark warning about species extinction and the consequences for us all. He talks about how honoured he's been to explore the diversity of life on our planet, but also in retrospect how much that saddens him that, that that opportunity is disappearing each year. But he says there is still time. What happens next? is up to us. All of this is a timely reminder for those of us in the season of creation. It reminds us of the importance of the season as we join churches from all over the world – Catholic, Orthodox, Lutheran, Anglican and many others – in the celebration of prayer and action to protect our common home. This year the theme has been Jubilee for the Earth, based on the year of Jubilee found in Leviticus 25 where, at least in theory, every 50 years the debts were forgiven, the slaves were freed and the land was restored. As I said last week, essentially this just pushed the restart button for their society, which allowed relationships with each other to be renewed and priorities to be uh, shifted. It is argued as we join the season of creation that we need the same today. The season of creation, I want to suggest, provides a time for us each year to ask those three core questions that I keep banging on about. Whose are we, who are we, and what is ours to do? We are reminded in this season that God is the creator and sustainer of all life. The readings from Paul's letter to the Romans and the Gospels remind us that out of God's infinite love for all of creation, in Jesus God fulfilled the covenant to restore humanity and renew creation. Jesus calls this the kingdom of God, or in Matthew's gospel, the kingdom of heaven. And he describes what this looks like in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, where he invites his disciples then and now to be liberated from their and our known world, which ultimately only brings death, into the kingdom of heaven the reign of God, a world where the most important people are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for God's justice, the pure in heart, the merciful, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for the sake of God's justice. It is a world where all flourish, where the common good is held as paramount, a world where the needs of the poor are placed first. Where all, including our brothers and sisters in creation, are treated with honour and respect and given all they need to thrive. It is a wonderful vision and for some reason it seems so hard to hang on to. We can see how hard it is to hang on to in our stories from Exodus last week and this week. We often see the story we heard last week about the Red or Reed Sea as simply a story of Israel being rescued, but many commentators say it is much more than that. One commentator I read talked about it being the struggle between two competing forces. One, the destructive powers or gods of enslavement, domination and violence. The anti-creational forces of chaos represented by Pharaoh, who treated people and creation as tools for his own use including the Hebrew people and the Egyptian people, the Egyptian soldiers who died in the Red Sea. There's a a rabbinic tradition that as they were dying, the angels started singing to God in celebration and God said, how can you sing when my children, the Egyptian soldiers, are drowning? And then there is the creating, life-giving God, the creating and sustaining God, who frees and gives life, the kind of life Jesus describes in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. So each of these forces or gods, the destructive powers of enslavement, domination and violence, and the creating, life-giving God of the Scriptures, offers us, all people, a different identity as either slave or resource to be used, or people created in the image of the creating and life-sustaining God. This week, we heard the story of the freed people, the Israelites, and how they are invited into a new identity, not as slaves, but as people through through whom God gives life. And after a month, it's already too hard. They long to be slaves again. That is the identity they know, it's how they understand themselves, it's too difficult to see themselves any other way. That story of going back to our old ways of seeing ourselves is repeated again and again in scripture and in history. It is hard, incredibly hard, to establish a new identity. That is our story too. That's why we're in the mess we are today because we cannot hang on to the new identity. It's so hard to see ourselves living in the world that Jesus offers when the destructive powers of enslavement, domination and violence keep calling us back. We see this again in the reading we heard from Matthew, where Jesus offers a story about the line from the Lord's Prayer, which we pray every week, give us today our daily bread. A story of workers who are employed at different times of the day and then they all get paid the same. Some of the people in the story and many who read that story find this story deeply offensive. How can they all be paid the same when they haven't earned the same? Surely the only just way is to pay those who work longer more. Others have used, uh, white commentators, I might add, have used uh, the story to support the view that Orientals are basically indifferent and lazy. They don't work as hard as us white, mainly British people, and therefore, because we work harder, we have the right to take what is theirs. We should have the resources. Others have accused Jesus of union bashing. When we read the story, I'm not going to talk about this, but when we read the story, we should um, actually look at it within the wider story of what what Matthew is telling. Uh, Yes, it does start at the beginning of a chapter, and usually that means we don't have to look at what goes on before. But that chapter heading is not part of Matthew's gospel. That was added much later. And so we need to get the story, the flow of the story, to actually understand what Jesus is talking about in the story. In terms of the context that Jesus lived in, this is a story set in an economy based on impoverished day labourers who often did not make enough to feed their own families. It was the economy of Pharaoh, whom the people of Israel had been freed from back in Exodus. It was not too different from many economies down through history, not too different from many economies today, including some would suggest our own. An economy where people and creation are seen and used as cheap resources for the benefit of a few. In contrast to that, Jesus offers a vision, a vision of a life of the life giving God of Exodus, where all are given what they need, whether they have earned it or not, because grace is freely given. The season of creation offers a time to consider again whose we are, who we are and what is ours to do. It offers a time to recognise that there are many competing claims on how we answer this. Claims that constantly call us away from the vision Jesus offers in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, that calls us away from seeing this world as a gift calls us away from the invitation to live in such a way that we join God's work of sustaining life in this world. All life. I want to suggest that a core part of being a follower of Christ is to worship the God as creator and sustainer of all. That is whose we are. And in light of that, to know that we are the ones invited to, into, an on, into the ongoing work of restoring and renewing creation. We are the ones who are invited to love God by loving our neighbours, and by that I mean all neighbours, including our brothers and sisters in creation, as ourselves. We're invited to respond to that by living in reverence to God's creation and all who share our common home. So what is ours to do as people called, as people who are invited to live in reverence for God's creation and all who share our common home? So this week I wonder, in what ways do we not live this out? What habits, patterns of life do not conform to whose we are? and? what new ways of living are we being invited to that we do live with reverence loving God by loving all our neighbors human and within creation as ourselves let's spend a moment in silence or talking to those with us as we reflect on those questions